Well, good morning. My name is Ken Kuhn. Um, as you may have noticed, Brad is not here today. Uh, he is with many of the men from Bethany uh, attending a men's retreat in Oregon. And so Emily, my wife, and I have been attending Bethany Ballard since 2019, and we've been a part of the Bethany family since undergraduate, which was a while ago, about 12 years ago. Um, and we've been attending multiple locations throughout, uh, throughout that time. So when Brad called me and asked me if I'd step in for him today, I said, I would love to. I'd love to be here. So I'm really excited to be here today with this family. It is my family, um, and it's great to be able to uh, talk to you a little bit about um, what I have titled The Rhythm of Imitation. Uh, so for those of you who are joining us for the first time, first of all, welcome. We're happy to have you, maybe joining us online or in, in person. Uh, and so for you, and not those who have been here every week, a uh, quick recap. So over the course of the last three weeks, we've been walking through the book of Ephesians, and we've been walking through a new sermon series called The Invitation to Wholeness. So Brad began this sermon series by explaining that our journey towards wholeness begins with an invitation to God's family, an invitation to adoption. He then went on to say that by accepting this invitation and stepping into the family of God, we realize that our identity is grounded in God's abundant and unceasing love for us. It's a love that we did not earn, that we do not deserve, but that was freely given to us nonetheless. And then last week, Brad went on to talk about um, these relationships that we were created to be in. We are created to be in a vertical relationship with God and a horizontal relationship with others. He went on to talk about the things that stand in the way of us fully leaning into those relationships. And then he said, hey, we need to put these things aside, church, so that way we can move towards wholeness together. So over the last three weeks, we've seen how wholeness starts with an invitation and is realized through relationship. But here's the truth. The truth is it's not instantaneous. It's, it's part of a movement towards the destination of wholeness. But it's not instant. It's a journey. A journey of leaning into our newfound identity as beloved children of God and allowing that identity to change our perspective and animate the way that we operate in the world. So today, we're going to talk about what it looks like to journey towards Christ and toward the wholeness that is found in pursuing a deeper relationship with God. Will you join me in prayer? Lord God, we are so thankful to be here today on this beautiful, sunny, Sunday Seattle morning. God, to be together in community, to be in relationship with one another, and to hear from you. God, I pray that your spirit would be present in this place and that you would be moving in our hearts so that as a result of our time together, we may be growing closer to you. Lord God, be present in this place and teach us, teach us to follow you better and better every day. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to be reading from uh, continuing on in Ephesians. We're in Ephesians chapter 5, so if you have your Bibles or your phone app, I think it might even be on screen, maybe, we'll see. Um, it's a nice and short uh, set of verses today because Paul just really gets to the point. So Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, um, I'm reading from the NRSV Bible. Um, so receive the word of the Lord. Ephesians 5, chapter 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of the Lord. 
In these two passages, we see a call to imitate Jesus and then an explanation of what that can look like. When Paul is saying, hey, see Jesus and see the way Jesus loves, we see a call to this walking in love. This walking in love is a call back to the way in which we are supposed to lean into those horizontal relationships that Brad talked about last week. But here's the key. The key is that it's predicated on the first part of the verse, which is to be like Christ and to grow in relationship with God. And it's in growing in relationship with God that we begin to be like Christ. And as we step into further being more like God, we are able to more easily uh, embody the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And the first among these is love, a love that we see modeled time after time in the life of Jesus. So today, we're going to zero in on what it looks like to imitate Christ, be an imitator of God. The word in the Greek here is mimetes, and we most commonly understand that word in English to be to mimic. So as we think about what we're being called to, we're being called to imitate, but that means to do as Jesus did, to mimic Jesus' actions. On Wednesday mornings, I have the joy of joining via telephone uh, the walk of one of my great friends, Joel, and his son, Levi, as they take their dog out uh, at 7 a.m. in the morning. And Joel and I have made it a practice during COVID to just connect on Wednesday mornings over the phone. And his second son, Levi, the youngest, uh, joins us. And uh, one of the joys of having him along for the walk is sometimes in his moments of excitement, I get to hear what he's excited about. Bus! or truck, garbage, you know, the, the little things, right? And what's, what's, what's so fun about that, though, is even though it's been over the phone and we do see them in person t- from time to time, uh, I've got to see him grow up a little bit, or at least hear him grow up a little bit. And so one of the unique things that's been happening uh, in the last couple of weeks is we'll just be talking and I'll hear Joel say something very normal, some, some just random phrase, and then I'll hear Levi repeat it and then giggle to himself. And just in case you didn't think the first thing was adorable, that is definitely adorable. And, and as I was prepping for the sermon this week, I was thinking about the fact uh, that in a lot of ways, language development, or the way that Levi is learning to communicate, is very similar to our faith development. In both things, becoming like Christ and becoming a good communicator in society takes time and it takes practice. By practicing to talk, we learn so much more than linking objects in the world to the phonetic sounds that come out of our mouth. But we also learn how to apply those words, right? We learn context. We learn when something is the right thing to say. We learn pronunciation. We learn how to say something. We learn phrasing, that when we put words in a certain order, they change the context and communicate something very specific. And we also learn cadence. We learn that the way we talk about something changes its impact, right? But all this stuff that kids learn as they're learning about language development comes from mimicking their parents and imitating those around them. Part of why Levi copies Joel, why he mimics Joel, is because Levi is learning the ins and outs of communication. But the other reason that Levi mimics Joel is because he wants to be like his dad, right? 
So that's true for us too. When we start thinking about our spiritual practices and our spiritual formation, and we think about the ways we want to imitate Jesus, it's not only that we want to learn what it looks like to walk in the footsteps of Jesus and to be Christian, but we also want to imitate our dad. And so today we're going to be talking about these practices. Just like language, we must and we must practice talking to learn to communicate. We also must practice imitating Christ because in imitating Christ, we become more comfortable and familiar with the language of faith and our identity as beloved children of God. And practice leads, practicing these things in our lives leads to spiritual formation. And so today, we're talking about spiritual formation and what it looks like to imitate Christ through practice. And so today, I want to get very practical with you. Uh, we're going to be talking about some how-tos because I enjoy theology and philosophy as much as the next guy. Uh, but sometimes I wish someone would just give me some tangible information that I can implement in my life. So to that end, my plan for today is to get very practical. In an effort to help you journey towards Christ and towards wholeness, I want to outline three steps today to help you practically implement a rhythm of imitation and spiritual formation in your life. So step one, create space. Step two, pick a practice. Step three, Stay focused on your relationship with God. So create space, pick a practice, and stay focused. Okay, so jumping into step one, create space. Now, so the whole point of this conversation is to imitate Jesus. So I thought, what better place to start looking at Jesus' practice than the Gospels? Throughout the Gospels, we notice something that Jesus makes a regular rhythm out uh, out of creating space to focus on his relationship with God. Uh, the, uh, the book of Mark in chapter 1 says that in the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went out to a de- de- deserted place, and there he prayed. Matthew 14 reads, And after Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. In both of these examples, we see Jesus creating space to pursue his relationship with God. Now, I know from experience that creating a regular rhythm or creating regular space to be with God can be tricky. I found that the most success, though, that I've had is trying to carve out and create some sort of daily habit that fits into my rhythm of life. So to give us some practical tools on how to do this, we're going to consult the science of habit formation, and we're going to take some advice from one of the leading voices in the field of productivity, James Clear. If you don't know James Clear, he wrote a book called Atomic Habits. And in his book, he talks about the science behind behavior change and the power of building habits a little bit at a time. He calls these atomic habits and defines them as regular practices or routines that are not only small and easy to do, but are also the source of incredible power because even changes that seem small and seem unimportant at first will lead and compound to remarkable results if you're willing to stick with them and be consistent. So, drawing from James's advice throughout his book, I've summarized four tips that have helped me create space in my life to consistently find time to pursue Jesus. So, four tips. Tip number one, start small. So, when I was an undergraduate, I, was, I studied theology, and I spent a lot of time really digging into the scripture and, you know, studying theology. And yes, it was for my major, but I thought that it was like the, the best thing I could be doing as a Christian young man. And so when I would see people with their five-minute devotionals, I would scoff at them. Oh, 
five minutes, that's all you can find to be with God. Now that I'm an adult, I understand that I'm lucky to get those five minutes with God. And so what's really important when we start thinking about creating space, the important part here is that we're consistent. It's better to spend one minute in prayer every day than 15 or 20 minutes in prayer on one day. And so as we start to think through what it looks like to create space daily, tip one, start small. Start with something that's digestible. Start with something that you can commit to. Tip number two, do the important things first. In Psalm 5, the psalmist is talking about starting their morning in prayer to God and writes, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait in expectation. Similar to some of my uh, previous thoughts earlier on in my Christian journey, I thought, man, there's something special about the morning. I think it must be like there's this golden hour where the sun is just rising. If I can just be with God in that time, maybe, just maybe, I'll get a special dose of Jesus. I don't think that's true either. I, I think that whenever you can find time to be with God is a great time to be with God. But I do think that there is some wisdom in Psalm 5, which is, I think that the psalmist is probably an adult just like the rest of us who can barely find the space in their day to get everything done that they need to get done. And so I think the reality is that the wisdom that the psalmist is actually sharing with us is that if I do this first, if I get this thing done first, then I know at least it will get done, right? When we put the big things in first, the little things seem to find a place. But when we do little things first, sometimes it feels like we can never find uh, time for the things that we actually want to prioritize the most. So tip two, do the important things first. Tip three, add the new habit to an old habit. Now this specific tip comes straight out of Atomic Habits. This is James Clear through and through. Uh, He calls it habit stacking. So here's the idea. The idea is that there are things that you do every day in your life that are habit for me, I wake up, I brush my teeth, I make coffee. It doesn't matter if I'm at home, it doesn't matter if I'm on vacation, it doesn't matter if I've slept 10 hours or four hours. I wake up, I brush my teeth, I make coffee. And so James would argue that the easiest thing to add a new habit onto is the ones that I do already. So when we think about adding a new habit or creating space in our life, the easiest place to do that is when we attach it to something that we're already regularly doing. I know from experience that After I make my coffee, I make a very important choice for the day. I either take my coffee to the table and go through my dev stack right here. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, Or I open my phone and open my email. And if I sit down and I go to prayer, I I get that time. If I open my email, somebody needs my attention and I'm done for. That's the rest of my day, right? It's taking a moment and realizing, hey, If I can attach this to a habit I already have in my life, then I'm able to introduce it and make it more sustainable. And then finally, tip four, for those of you who have seen or watched Parks and Recreation, sometimes you just got to treat yourself. And I think that the, the, the point here is actually very seriously that there's a lot of science behind rewarding yourself for starting something new. So James recommends something as simple as when you do something, Make sure that you have a, like a little piece of chocolate nearby because after you do it, you pop that in your mouth. And Our brains love to be rewarded for the things that they're doing. 
And so it may sound crazy to you, but time and time again, research has shown that if you go out of your way to treat yourself or reward yourself for something that you're doing, your brain inherently wants to get that thing done because it wants that same uh, reward. Okay? So you might be thinking, does Ken regularly eat chocolate in the morning? And I'm not going to answer that question. So, all of these things are step one, right? Creating space. These are some tips to help you uh, think through what it looks like to help create space, carve out space. Maybe that's a new space for you, or maybe that's stepping back into a rhythm that you are familiar with. So then step two is picking a practice. Now, spiritual practices are the backbone of formation because they provide activities that help us focus on God. As we all know, relationships take constant and consistent amount of work. Just like a relationship with a friend or a partner, the amount of time that you regularly invest in a relationship, the deeper that relationship becomes. And also, it's an important reminder that sometimes, in different seasons, our relationships can wax and wane. And sometimes the important part is getting back into routine, whatever that takes. And sometimes it's sitting in that season and realizing that this is a season that we're just going to have to get through because it's really full. So two weekends ago, my wife had a friend come over from Michigan, and they went backpacking together, and they had an awesome time. Uh, they started on Friday, and they got back Sunday night. On Monday, her friend left. On Tuesday, I had a meeting, she had a meeting. And on Wednesday morning, I flew out to Denver. I was gone for five days, and I got back at almost midnight on Monday night. And you, you might be thinking to yourself, wow, that's kind of a long time. And I was thinking, man, I haven't even seen my wife forever. What is that like? And so we're like, okay, we've got to find moments here to connect somewhere. On Tuesday, I had a meeting. Wednesday, she had a meeting. And it wasn't until Thursday that we were able to make dinner together, sit down for dinner, and go for an hour-long walk. And it wasn't until the end of that walk that we finally felt like we had reconnected, that we had caught up on our relationship. And I, I was thinking about that walk, and it was lovely. But the first 20 minutes or so was just getting everything out that we had to get out to catch up. You know, these are just the things that, you know, the logistics of doing life together. And then you could tell that as that got through, everything was like feeling a little lighter, and so our conversation changed to, you know, what, we, what she particularly had been reading while I was gone, and uh, how the Sounders were doing, because that's a very important topic in our household. Um, and then finally, in the last 20 minutes, uh, we just found ourselves quietly walking along, holding hands, and just being present with each other. And so, so what's the point of this story? Well, A, I like talking about my wife. But also, uh, what's important here is that relationships need different things at different times, right? And especially when we think about our relationship with God, sometimes we just need to catch up and get everything out there. And sometimes we need to just spend time talking. And sometimes we just need to spend time in presence. Sometimes it's just walking along with God where the most of our relationship will grow. And so today I want to go through really quickly three core spiritual practices. Again, I told you I was going to be really practical with you, so let's talk about some spiritual practices, six of them. They're outlined here on your bulletin. Ooh, I left you a blank to fill in. How kind. Uh, okay, so let's start with the, the old faithful, uh, the, the, Bible, the Bible study. I have to get up on a little bit of a soapbox here as a person who has spent a lot of years studying theology and practical theology. Um, there's a difference between Bible reading and Bible studying. I don't want to belittle Bible reading at all, 
But it is important to recognize that there is a difference in the way you approach something if your posture is one of study versus one of just getting it done. I think that as I talk to people who are like, hey, I try to get in my Bible every day, I'm like, great, but what's the outcome of that, right? So here's, here's, here's the little simple definition. Bible study is simply the spiritual practice of paying attention to the story of God. So at the beginning of the uh, pandemic, I took up cycling, and I spent a ton of time on my bike. And while I was out there, I had my headphones in. I was listening to audiobooks. And over the course of two years, I may have managed to listen to about 32 audiobooks on Star Wars. <laughs> I needed a little bit of comfort, you know, as we all did. Uh, but here's, here's the reality. The reality is, while it was really entertaining, and I have a general picture of, you know, the stories of the galaxies far, far away, I, I still don't know much Star Wars lore. I can maybe think of a couple of Star Wars words like lightsaber and Gamorrean, if I stand here and think about it long enough. But I can't like, tell you the differences between the different humanoid races <clears throat> of the galaxy. And that's because <clears throat> I simply read Star Wars, or listened to it, <clears throat> instead of studying it. And, and that's the point. The point is that if we want to be paying attention to what God is doing, paying attention to the Word of God, we need to be, think about studying the Word of God. And so my very practical recommendation to you is to find a study guide. Uh, and that's kind of another word for a devotional. So this is one that I use, uh, Morning and Evening by Charles Spurgeon. It's great. Uh, and whether you go about Bible study by thinking about a particular chapter and going through and diving into verses or chapters throughout the week, or if you find a devotional that can guide you through, the goal here is to pay attention to the story of God. All right. Number two, meditation. So meditation is often paired with Bible reading, and for good, re for good reason, because... Meditation is simply the spiritual practice of soaking in the character of God. Meditation is simply a spiritual practice of soaking in the character of God. And so when we read the Bible, taking it one for a step, maybe we, maybe we study it, but another thing we can do is we can sit with it. We can think about it. We can let it ruminate, marinate in our hearts and let it inform the way we think about God. A uh, very common practice of meditation is called Lectio Divina. And it's a very simple practice of finding a scripture and reading through it three times, each time with a little bit different of a focus. The first focus is, God, what are you saying to me in this passage? And after thinking and meditating on that and allowing a word or a phrase to come to us, we read it again. And in reading it again, we say, God, what is it about this word or phrase that is, why are you bringing it to my attention? And we think and marinate and meditate. And then finally, we read it one more time with the, this question in mind, which is, God, how am I going to apply this information this week? Why did you give it to me? And how am I going to let it affect my life? So uh, spiritual practice number two, meditation. Spiritual practice number three, prayer. Prayer is simply the spiritual practice of being in conversation with God. So if you've been in the Christian church or Christian circles for a long time, we do a lot of praying. I did it at the beginning of this uh, sermon, and then we did it during worship, and we even prayed before we all got here this morning. So we do a lot of praying. 
However, the key thing that I want to remind you all of this morning as we think about prayer as a spiritual practice is that it's a conversation. And just like any conversation with other human beings, part of communicating is talking, and the other part is listening. And so if you're going to be taking time to be practicing the spiritual discipline of prayer, remember that there's a time to talk and a time to listen. So one of the things that helps me with that is I journal. So this is my, one of my prayer journals, and uh, I've been doing this for uh, about 10 years now because I found that what it helps me do is it helps me get down what I want to say to God, reflect on the things that are on my heart, and then to leave blank space to just listen. Sometimes it's questions, sometimes it's just feelings, sometimes it's emotions. But when I cre- leave that space in my journal to allow the Holy Spirit to be present with me, I find myself having a two-way conversation instead of just a one-way conversation. Another uh, spiritual practice that we're going to talk about this morning is gratitude. Um, Gratitude is a new one for me. I picked this one up at the beginning of COVID because I realized that life felt a little bit negative. And and even on the darkest days of COVID and, and the life that ensued in the time, um, I, I found myself realizing that there were still things to be thankful for. And in fact, on those days when they were the hardest, when I took time to practice being thankful, I was able uh, to have a, a much, different, um, much different posture, a much different uh, perspective on my day. So uh, a tool that I like to use for that is this five-year journal. Um, it's, it's, a very, it's a very cool way to do any journaling, prayer journaling, gratitude journaling, or what have you. Uh, but what's great about it is it's every day, and you can see I'm two years in because there's five, uh, five little, quad, I don't know, sections, I guess, here on each page. And what's super great about this is not only does it allow me to reflect on what God is doing in my life and it gives me a, a moment to say a quick prayer of thankfulness, on the days when I don't feel thankful, I get to look back at God's faithfulness. And that has been one of the most powerful parts. In recording our prayer and recording our gratitude, it gives us a record of the way that God keeps showing up for us. Um, And then finally, the last spiritual discipline I want to talk about today is that of solitude. Solitude is the spiritual practice of presence. For me, this has been one of the most freeing of the spiritual disciplines. Uh, My personality is the type where um, I tend to have a gift to to be able to discern the needs of those around me, and I love meeting those needs. I love doing things for other people. Um, The shadow side of that, however, though, is my self-worth gets tied up in what I can do for other people. And so maybe it looks impressive to you that I have this big stack of uh, devotional material but the problem is that I get to point at that stack and see, say God, see God, I did it. I did it today. Should I, don't I get a reward? And what I've learned in the spiritual discipline of solitude is that God doesn't need me to do anything for me to receive God's love. And so in just showing up and practicing presence, I felt so much freedom in knowing that it doesn't matter what I do, no matter how much of the Bible I read, no matter how many days I consistently journal, no matter how many devotionals I get through, God just wants to spend time with me. Just like those last 20 minutes walking with my wife and holding hands, 
the powerful part of relationship growth is sometimes just in the presence. And so for me, sometimes it looks like step one, create space, and step two, do nothing. But in having created the space to do nothing, I'm orienting myself towards my relationship with God. And so finally, the last step today is that we would stay focused, right? We want to stay focused on our relationship with Jesus. If you'll look in your bulletins, um, the point here, the big takeaway, is that we need to remain journey-oriented, not goal-oriented, right? So what I want to hear, I want you, what, you, what I want to remind you of is that these spirit, spiritual practices, the point of them isn't so that we can check a box. It's so that we actually become imitators of Christ. It's so that we continue to grow in our relationship with God. The important part isn't getting the practices right, but orienting our hearts towards God and allowing ourselves to be caught up in God's unending pursuit of us. So as I finish, the worship team can come up this morning. I just want to remind you of a story of Jesus. So Jesus, as we're talking about imitating Jesus and, and listening and watching the ways in which Jesus does life, Jesus tells a story about a shepherd who forsook the 99 to seek the one, the one sheep that had wandered away. And the shepherd goes and finds the sheep, throws the sheep on his shoulders, and brings it back to the flock. And Jesus then says, I am the shepherd. And what I want you to remember this morning is that if we have spent, if we've created space, no matter how much space that is, and we've tried to orient ourselves towards a relationship with God, the truth is that God is going to continue to pursue us. So in pursuing Christ, we can't forget that Christ is also pursuing us. So this morning as we're worshiping and uh, we're reflecting on this time together, you may have grabbed one of these response cards. Um, but the question, question to consider if you're filling this in or just sitting there and reflecting, the thing to ask yourself this morning is, what step do I need to focus on implementing this week? Maybe it's trying to establish a habit that allows you to create space for pursuing that relationship. Or maybe it's practicing a new relationship. Every practice is not created equally, and some practices will be better for others than other ones are. Or maybe it's just remembering. Remembering in the season that may feel crazy and may feel overwhelming, that the point is to orient our hearts towards God and allow ourselves to be caught up in God's unending pursuit of us. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we are so thankful for this time this morning. We're so thankful that like the shepherd, you seek us out and you pursue us with an unending sense of love and adoration. God, we pray that as we implement these steps in our lives, whatever one we need to focus on this week, we pray that we would continue on this journey towards wholeness. We would continue to be imitators of Christ. God, we thank you for the ways that you were present in our lives. And we pray that as we continue to model our lives after Jesus, that we would be met with the presence, the love, and the joy found in the Holy Spirit. We love you, God. Amen.